We were talking about newts and I was wondering why the great crested newt hadn't made it here to Ireland and Aina was explaining, well, one creature that has made it here to Ireland is the rose ring parakeet. It's estimated that there are some 12,000 pairs of rose ring parakeets breeding in the wild in Britain and some say they are as ubiquitous as pigeons in some places. This invasive medium-sized parrot species would have either escaped or been released from homes where they were kept as pets. They now present a multifaceted threat to native wildlife, along with the problems of noise in built-up areas. I have to say, I like the sound of their squawks, but it is loud. And they have now been confirmed to be breeding in Dublin, with sightings also in Cork, Leash, Tipperary, Belfast and Wicklow. In fact, a friend of mine who lives in Dublin 9 has them in his garden, but they're not necessarily breeding there. But we actually discussed this on the programme some time ago. So, should their spread in the wild be stopped? And if so, how? So we're joined by a colleague of yours now, Niall, Brian Burke of Birdwatch Island. Hello, Brian. Hi, Derek. Hi, everybody. Great to have you on the programme now. Tell us about the parakeets. They're breeding. The ring-necked parakeet is breeding in Ireland. Should we be concerned? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's this um, kind of quite tropical species, quite novel for people to see. People are kind of uh, confused and, and maybe a bit delighted when they see them. You know, they're so different to anything else that we've got here. But they're breeding in Ireland for the last couple of years. And, you know, there's still only a handful of pairs and a few birds around the place. But we know from other countries that there's the potential for their numbers to grow very rapidly. And with that comes, you know, the potential for a lot of impacts on a lot of our native species. So they're they're nice to look at, but they're not a bird we really want here on, on a permanent basis. Just describe what they look like for the benefit of the listeners who haven't seen them. Yeah, absolutely. So they're completely green. There's various shades of green in there, but you kind of, you won't miss them. They're completely green. A bright kind of red bill, kind of short and round, you know, like any kind of parrot or parakeet people might see in a pet shop or in a zoo or anything like that. They have a lovely big, long green tail. And, you know, I've seen those tail feathers... um, being found in the likes of um, peregrine falcon nests and stuff like that in, in places like London. You know, again, you can't you can't miss it. Um, and yeah, the males have this kind of rosy kind of ring, half ring around the neck as well, which is where they get the, the other name for them is the, the rose-necked parakeet. Something like that. We tend to call them the ring-necked parakeet, but yeah. A bit bigger than a blackbird or medium size. They weigh about 150 grams. You know, a blackbird would weigh 100, 120 grams. So they're medium. In, in terms of birds you'd see on your feeder, they'd be maybe one of the, the bigger ones that might land on your feeder. What's the problem with having them here? So I suppose like any non-native species, you know, our native bird communities, our native wildlife haven't adapted to living with this species. And because of that, that could give them disproportionate advantage you know the fact that they're not here naturally you know there's the potential for them to dominate you know in an environment where they're they're not native and you know they shouldn't be here except for human activity if we look at birds and wildlife and and biodiversity declines across the world the top three issues are habitat loss climate change and invasive species and this is an invasive species so you know, with regards nesting, you know, we know we've got a, a couple of pairs that have, have nested in Dublin in the last few years. They nest in tree cavities. So there's the potential there for them to displace native species that might otherwise nest in those tree cavities. Stuff like starlings, you know, potentially woodpeckers, tits. Um, in the UK, there's concerns over the impact of nut on nuthatch. We don't have nuthatch here, but bats as well would be another one. You know, they can displace um, bats as well. So there's that, that, you know, we have precious few 
old trees and, and woodlands and stuff like that with these natural um, cavities that birds and, and bats and stuff like that rely on. And um, these guys could end up occupying them all, you know, especially if, if they grow in numbers in, in the way they have in other European cities. And then we see in the winter as well, then, you know, they can absolutely dominate bird feeders. You know, bird feeders can be very important in cold winters, in, in urban areas to support the, the local bird communities. And these guys, because of their size and because they're kind of... um. You know, they're quite a dominant species. They're they're not shy by any means. Um, so you know they can credit um, our native species there too. You often hear of calls in the UK for culls because they're a problem for agriculture and particular for vineyards in the south of England. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's potential for crop damage. I, you know, there's been reports of them um, ending up in jet engines and and stuff like that as well. So there's you know, there's a whole list of a whole list of other problems apart from maybe the direct impacts on biodiversity. Um, certainly, you know, some of their roosts, you know, can have hundreds and or sometimes even thousands of birds, yeah, and the droppings that results from that in you know in a lot of um urban parks and in woodlands and stuff like that too can can be very damaging to the trees and, and to the, the ground flora as well. Mm. So, you know, there's, you know, unfortunately with invasive species, there's the kind of a long list of, of potential problems. You know, some of those problems, you know, they wouldn't be obvious now. We've only got a few parakeets, but by the time they are obvious, uh, the genie will be out of the bottle and we won't be able to mm. do anything about it. I remember back in the 1990s, I worked for a short time on a programme called Nature Detectives on BBC One Television and I made a report about this particular bird which was becoming naturalised in Britain from escapees, it was believed, people who had been keeping them as pets and they got out either deliberately or accidentally and they start to populate the countryside and then skip forward 20 years and myself and Niall put together a series about invasive species for BBC Radio 4 and one of the episodes featured this very same bird which had now become naturalised and a problem. So, where will it end up here? My question is, where did the ones that are found now in Ireland breeding come from? Because, as I understand it, they originate on the Indian subcontinent. Did they come from there? Or did they come across the water from Britain? That's a good question. And the answer is, we don't know. I would suspect, uh, I think a lot of us would suspect that they're probably from a more local release. You know, they are kept in captivity quite a lot. And all you need is for a couple of birds to to escape, you know, at the same time and meet up in a park um, and then you've got a problem. There is the potential. Uh, we certainly couldn't rule out them having come from the UK. We know their numbers are growing over there, but I suspect it was probably something more local, especially the fact that, you know, it's kind of a small number that started out here as well, you know. Um, so that's probably it. And I suppose the ideal solution would be that while there's still only a few birds around, if we can find out where they are and if we can catch them and return them to captivity, I think everybody, the birds uh, and the rest of us would be would be happy with that solution, you know. But if they're cavity birds, then will they will they go to nest boxes? Can you get nest boxes for them and have them in nest boxes as such? Or are they colonial breeders? Are they all together or are they individual breeders or do we know how they breed as such? That's another good question. I think they're kind of semi-colonial in in that you know they w- you won't be miles away from each other. Um, but certainly we wouldn't be encouraging anyone to uh to to put up any nest box for them or to look into that. And if anyone has them in their nest box or hanging around their bird feeders, we need them uh, to let us know. How about you could nab them if you put up a nest box and they talk oh, to the right. nest box? Then you could nab them and put them very back into sneaky, captivity. Very sneaky, Very sneaky. Well, I mean, yeah. You know, I, I, well, even most. with the tree cavities, I think that's that's that would be the you know the best best most reliable way to catch them would be that's it to have a little drop down door maybe that you pull mm-hmm. with a bit of fishing line bird goes in and you know door comes down and you know um, we can kind of extract them safely after that you know and and attempts have been made and and with kind of um 
some success, um, but it's still kind of an ongoing process. Richard? Can I be devil's advocate to some extent here? We used to talk about the plain people of Ireland. It's not a phrase we use nowadays, but it is true to say that we have the plain birds of Ireland. And as somebody said there now, if the rose ring parakeet comes, he is exotic. He doesn't fit in. Like the pheasant who came long ago, or was brought in long ago, he is exotic. He doesn't fit the Irish country. Countryside, but he has become respectable. So the issue now is can this particular bird become respectable? As you say, there's all these negative things about him, but he is a great entertainer. In European cities, you hear very little on bird song or bird noise, you see very few birds. Mm. Except for the parakeet. parakeet the par- exactly. It's all the over parakeet. the place now. He's a, he's a great entertainer, this And it's fellow. gorgeous to look at, Richard. He's gorge- absolutely gorgeous to look at. You were asking about somebody, you were mentioning there, Brian, his, the extent to which he will go to feed. He'll even strip the petals off flowers to suck out the nectar. I mean, that, that is, that, he's like a hummingbird in that regard. But he's also, you can teach him to, if in captivity, to speak to speak, uh, mimic you. They're wonderful mimics. I, I'm almost reminded of Andrew Jackson, the, the, the American president, whose funeral in 1845, the Paris was there, and all the great and the good were coming in to, to pay their respects to the president. And the parrot kept mouthing the most awful obscenities in front of everybody, disgracing the family. <laughs> and he had to be removed from the obsequies. Now, I'm not suggesting that we train these parrots do the same but they are very versatile <laughs> creatures they have something going for them will they become like the pheasants respectable citizens i think i might uh, dispute the respectability of pheasants uh, i know there's a lot of research being done in the uk for example on on their impacts while we've kind of um accepted them as part of the countryside uh, the more we look into it you know we can kind of pinpoint maybe the damage that is associated with them and again it's the same example where they're taken from one side of the world uh, to the other by humans dropped into somewhere that they're not familiar with and that the, the local wildlife isn't familiar with them and that rarely ends up well you know but like no doubt about it the parakeets are very impressive birds they're very adaptable birds um it's not their fault that they're here you know like like so many other things it's it's the fault of people but it's just i think it's a risk we can't afford and you know i think maybe that is very telling that if you go to some other european cities and all you can hear is parakeets you know, that's not the way it should be, you know. So uh, that's maybe hinting at some of the impacts they've had. You know, some people get annoyed maybe with a lot of starlings and stuff like that on their feeders in the winter. And, and, you know, they can be quite noisy and quite numerous at times as well. But that's a species that at European level is under quite a bit of pressure. And I think that's maybe one species that the parakeets, you know, could impact in a number of ways between um, competing for nest sites and competing for food and stuff like that as well. But you're hardly calling for a cull, are you? You mean you wouldn't kill a bird, would you? <laughs> um, what time does this go out at? Uh, <laughs> um, no, um, we're, we're, we're at the situation, we're at the stage now where there's only, we know that there's only a few pairs, there's only a few birds. And if we can get enough information from enough people across the country about where and when they're seeing these birds, there's potential you know, to react to hopefully bring them back into captivity. And as I said, it'll so be do a you want people to contact you and tell you then? Is that the case? 
yes, if people, anyone sees it or if anyone has seen one, in, you know, the last week, the last month, the last six months, um, and any time of the year, if you see one, if you go to the National Biodiversity Data Centre website and there's a special page there to log any sightings. And it just means we can keep up to date with their spread, with their movements, uh, and hopefully we can, as I said, come up with this happy ending where we can we can catch them, we can bring them into captivity and, you know, then we won't be seeing the impacts that they've had in other countries. I want to ask you one thing, Brian. Is it a crime to release something that has the potential to be an invasive species? So if you're sick of your parakeet screeching around your house and you let it out, is this actually a crime or just bad practice? I mean, can we get at the No, you, you, you definitely can't, can't release species with invasive potential like that at all. And I think even in, in the UK, there's... And we, we would have it here as well where, uh, you know, like Richard, I'm a, I'm a trained and, and licensed bird ringer. If I was to capture one of these birds, I couldn't just let it go again. I would have to hold on to it and I'd have to contact the relevant authorities because by catching it and letting it go again, I am releasing a bird with, uh, you know, invasive potential. Um, and you just can't do that because, because you know, we've seen time and time again, whether it's mink or whether it's, it's parakeets or, or something like that, the impacts can be huge, uh, can be very costly and... You know, things might get to a stage very quickly where you can't can't undo them. You know, ah, but there's no punishment for people who do it. It's just very bold of them and very naughty. And yeah, well, that 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 that's another issue too. And you know, it could be very hard to prove that someone intentionally let out something like a parakeet rather than it it having you know escaped when you're opening the the cage door or something like that. But I suppose it's one of those things people should be very mindful whether it's a parakeet or you know, there's plenty of tortoises and, and stuff like that in mm. in ponds in Dublin. But you you really can't can't let animals and, and birds that are not native to Ireland out like that um, because potential for a huge amount of damage. All right, Brian, thank you very much indeed. Lovely to talk to you. Niall Hatch is still with us. Niall, as you know, is communications officer with Birdwatch Ireland. This must be a tricky one for you, Niall, when I asked Brian there, wouldn't kill a bird, would you? You wouldn't recommend that kind of stuff, would you, in Birdwatch Ireland? Well, the thing is, we're at a stage with these parakeets where this can be nipped in the bud. Nobody wants to see these birds being harmed uh, and it's actually better for them in captivity. Parrots can be very long-lived birds uh, and the climate here, although as Brian was saying, they can survive um, pretty well in an Irish environment, it's still not the optimum conditions for them. We know from studies that have been done in places like Germany, for example, that uh, the same species, the the rose-ringed parakeet, uh, that they're in the wild there, their lifespans are much shorter. Many of them end up missing toes because of frostbite. So they're not so well adapted to our environments as they, uh, as, as so they are to their native range. So you for their benefit, not for our benefit. Well, no, I think I think it's for everyone's benefit. I think that the, the best thing for everybody, um, including our native wildlife and us humans, and for the parakeets, is for them to be returned to captivity. Be- as Brian said, before the genie is out of the bottle, that's a very good way to put it. Uh, and the thing is that they are beautiful birds. Absolutely stunning. Uh, but the fact is that uh, th- they do displace native native species. They do pose threats to agriculture and to fruit orchards and so on. But also they can become a really quite overwhelming pest. I mean, you may recall, Derek, you, you will recall, you and I were, were in Rome last year. I mean, one of the parks, a beautiful place, coming towards sunset. The sheer noise of thousands of these parakeets flying overhead was absolutely deafening. I and this is something that I think I the liked people- it. What's wrong with me? And I love the colour of them. I think it's just a beautiful bird to look at, as I was saying, the land puffin, if you like. Oh, there's no denying that. They are absolutely beautiful. Uh, but the, the fact is that they're, they're not a native part of our environment. And when we see these species coming in, they can have detrimental effects. And yeah, all of that, those effects that are unknown. Across because my mate who has them up in Dublin 9 in his garden visiting, they're not living there. He loves to see them. He said, God, there's a bird coming in. It's fabulous. And I went out to have a look. And I said, sure enough, it is. But it probably shouldn't be here. Well, if I, if I had one in my own garden, I would certainly be watching it. They're absolutely, absolutely stunning bird. Uh, but the fact of it is, 
that they will cause problems for, for our native wildlife. There's, there's certain species, as Brian was saying, like, like, like our bats, like the starlings, a bird called the stock dove is another one that's impacted quite badly by them. And that's a declining species in Ireland. Uh, they will, they're, 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 quit bullying they're gregarious they can force these other creatures out of their nesting and roosting cavities and this can lead to further declines when you couple that with things like climate change and landscape change habitat loss all of these things it's yet another um, straw on the camel's back of biodiversity loss so the fact is that these non-native species coming in where they also don't have any really natural predators I mean obviously birds like sparrowhawks and peregrine falcons might catch a couple of them but they're, they're not going to have any meaningful effect on the overall population and I think that if you asked um, biologists and wildlife conservationists and government agencies and farmers in many other European countries, including in southern England, where the species is so prevalent, including in cities like uh, like Amsterdam, in Brussels, in, in Nice, uh, in Barcelona, in Madrid, in Rome, where these species have, have really taken hold, if they could turn back the clock and catch those early few pioneers before the species took hold, they would absolutely jump at the chance because it could end up costing millions or even billions of euros um, to control this population and this problem in the future to mitigate against the effects on on uh, problems for agriculture, on biodiversity loss and so on. Whereas for a very small initial outlay with no harm coming to these birds, the problem could be nipped in the bud here and now. And I think that this is something that I really think the state should take no, on. I, I agree with you, but so you catch these birds that are there in the wild now and then what do you do with them? Do you put them in a cage well, the, and sell them to somebody and say, keep this in your house? Whatever you do, don't open the window. Well, well essentially, yes. I mean, and the fact oh, is... Well, no, but the fact is that m- many of the birds you're seeing, the, these ones that are breeding, that they, they originally came from captivity. Uh, they're obviously, it's not their fault. They're behaving the way that they, they would naturally. Uh, but these are birds that don't necessarily suffer from being I know, kept but if well they're breeding, captivity. then you're going to take ones that are born in the wild. But they adapt very well to that, um, and, and the, the fact of it is that you know, in a rage, isn't that what they say? Well, 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 uh, well indeed. But the <coughs> I'm just saying, Derek, you're just playing the devil's advocate. Yeah, indeed. I mean, I was going to ask Niall, what are their natural enemies where they are native? I mean, why are they not going absolutely bananas in the foothills of the Himalayas or wherever they come from? Have they enemies there that are keeping the population in check? And how does that work? Or do we know? Well. well they do. So there's a wider diversity of birds of prey there that have specialised to feed on these. But also there's um, a wider diversity of mammalian predators, particularly mustelids, members of the weasel family that can easily crawl up and get into their into their nesting sites. Uh, now, obviously, we do have predators like that in Ireland, like the stoat and the pine marten. But what we find in a European context is that these parakeets, they very much become birds of urban and suburban areas where there are fewer predators. So it's not a bird you tend to find or encounter in huge numbers in the wider countryside elsewhere in Europe where they become introduced. They're birds you see in urban centres and in city parks where there is less competition for them. And that's not necessarily the case in where they occur in, in Asia uh, because there you have lots of competition from other species as well. So there are other kinds of birds and bats and other creatures that also compete against them so the parakeets don't have it all their own way. Whereas here in our urban areas they do. And we also know that especially in southern England and in parts of France uh, the uh, the survival of these birds is very much driven by bird feeders as well. They will descend en masse onto bird feeders and just start ripping apart the feeders and eating all the food. Uh, and that is a big driver in, in supporting them and, and keeping them going in the wild. So I think, you know, it's no disrespect to the birds. I, I, I love all birds. I absolutely love parakeets. But it's not it's not a bird we want to take hold here in Ireland. Uh, much better that the natural balance can be restored and we nip this in the bud as soon as we can. All right. We leave it there for the moment. But you can visit the website for more details, rte.ie forward slash 